Hi everyone and welcome to the Glow Getters podcast. I'm Emily Halliday and in this series I will be asking friends of mine to share their experiences and advice on growth and self-discovery in their 20s. In this episode I speak to Ria, the founder of Matriarch Platform, to hear a bit more about how she's grown out her platform and community and her learns along the way. Hi Emily, how are you? I'm good, how are you? Yeah, good, thank you. Very excited to be here. Oh, I'm so excited to have you on and to meet you as well. Uh, cracking on, starting off, um, how have you found the last couple of months in, in 2021? Yeah, I mean, kind of what I expected them to be. Um, mm. Lockdown life is just kind of continuing, but um, they've actually been better than I thought they would be. I think when lockdown was announced, I was really shitting myself, really nervous about mm. it um, and not being at uni, especially starting to write my dissertation, but I'm actually much happier and and comfortable at home than I thought I would be so yeah it's not actually been too bad mm, well that's good to hear and I guess you have your dissertation and that's that's huge so you've got you've got a lot to focus on <laughs> sure. um, which is a privilege um, so then in terms of your platform and we'll go back and we'll talk a bit about your your studying as well but in terms of matriarch can you tell us a little bit more about what you do in your own words yeah absolutely so um, I created and founded this platform called matriarch about a year and a half ago um and it's essentially a platform to create change to build human connection to empower people and give people a place to talk about their stories and their lives and and platform their voices um in a way that they don't really have the opportunity to do in other places or maybe on their own platforms um so that's kind of what we do and we do that in a huge number of ways through um, people writing blog posts or mm. making resources or videos and there's not really any limit to how they want to do that we kind of work with people to platform and communicate their stories in the way that they feel best expresses them that's really integral to what we do because we understand that writing might not be the best way that people express themselves for everyone so that's kind of what we do amazing and i saw over um beginning of february mid-february your heartbreak editorial um where that was kind of a collection of different people's kind of poetry and writing um if i'm correct so who who are these kind of people that um are contributing so at first um when i just started the platform and i was growing it i just kind of platformed my voice um because that's kind of all i had and then amazingly friends and people that I knew really kind of caught on to it and mm. wanted to write themselves and wanted to communicate themselves so nearly a year ago actually in March um, we launched Matriarch Community which is basically mm. where other people write blog posts for the website um, on any stories they want and kind of Covid was just kicking off and my best friend Kate works, was working in the hospital at the time and I said to her listen I think your story and your voice is the exact kind of voice people need to be hearing right now if you would like to write a post I would love to platform it for you so that's when we started platforming other people's voices and then in July of last year I kind of wanted to to take that further in some way so I came up with this idea of editorials which would be big collective bodies of work from lots of different people whoever they wanted to be just telling their stories in in 
all of those different ways and I noticed that I knew a lot of people and girls around me who were big sisters and I thought that would be a great theme for it what are the lessons what are the trials and tribulations of being a big sister mm-hmm. um and at the time when we launched that one in July um those were basically just all my friends my own big sisters the people that I knew mm-hmm. but between July and now we've managed to grow to a point where I kind of put out almost a content call um on matriarch on instagram and lots of people different people replied and we got um people from new york which is amazing um and and lots of different people and so these are just people who have stories have voices that they they want to share and that's kind of a really beautiful thing and it's amazing because there's there's kind of a, a dual win here because you're allowing people and giving them, as you say, a platform to express themselves, which can be, you know, a form of therapy to actually exactly. get their story out there. And, yeah, in whatever form it is. And equally, you're you're giving anyone that reads, it, you know, a chance to, you know, unfortunately, if it's a sad kind of piece or if it's you know a happy piece you know if they can relate then it's it's another way of kind of showing people that they're not alone exactly both sides are really really beautiful so I think that's amazing and it's also very impressive how quickly you've grown thank you yeah I mean it's it's been a hell of a journey but I think we I mean it got to about the year one year anniversary mark which was July 2020 and I was (laughs) I I mean we hadn't really got that many followers we had about between seven and eight hundred I think mm-hmm. um and when you pour your heart into content you create and you put so much effort into it sometimes it can be a bit demoralizing mm. but what was so great was that those seven or eight hundred people were all there because they wanted to be there not just because they were following for for a follow back kind of thing mm-hmm. it was people who genuinely engaged in the content we create and wanted to be part of this community um and so yeah it was it was very sudden though that summer that all of a sudden the content I was creating which started to focus more on anti-racism and systemic issues and cultural issues where I started to create more resources there was this huge influx of people which has kind of only grown and grown and that's really great to me because it means that the issues that I talk about people are engaging with again mm-hmm. because we built that foundational base community in our first year of people who really wanted to be there and really wanted to be part of this so yeah that was really really great no that's that's incredible and um I think in recent years or I guess in the last year um there have been some like crazy we, we've all gone through some crazy times mm-hmm. and um the pandemic hasn't really stopped kind of big social political things from happening as well and I think you know there's been a lot of confusion and a lot of anger and pain and actually you're you're giving people a safe place to kind of come and and again relate to the post relate to other people who are part of your your community and um you're you're giving people a chance to kind of also have a voice and a place to post it so I think mm-hmm. that's that's absolutely beautiful and then going back to the roots of the platform um because I think it's interesting you started it pre-pandemic time and yeah it really took off in the pandemic time which I guess is when everyone was sort of you know looking for something to cling on to yeah. and looking for things to help inspire more thought and um w- when you started it so it was that kind of you know summer 2019 mm. what what did it start as Was it was it just like a personal blog and then it got a little bit bigger or what was it yeah, so I started it July 2019. So I just finished my first year at university. And 
I think most of it, and and I do describe it as this sometimes, but it was kind of a self-serving platform. Mm -hmm. Um, I just finished my first year at uni and for the first time in my life, I felt like I was at the point where I was confident enough to talk about issues that I cared about with other people publicly. At school up until that point, I was like the loudest person in the class. I was the first to put my hand up. I was really extrinsically confident but internally I had no faith or belief in myself and my opinions um, and my ability to communicate those well to people Mm. Um, but going to university kind of changed that completely for me so it was the first time in my life I felt like I had things to say I had things I wanted to talk about but nowhere to do that on I like had my own obviously like personal social media and stuff but it wasn't I didn't quite feel like it had the scope to do what I wanted to do. So I made my own platform um, and it was really simple when I started. All it was was kind of a WordPress blog where I would write basically every other day. I was writing a big blog post about cultural issues, societal issues. And then the Instagram to go beside that was really nothing more than just to tell people that I had written something that's that's Mm -hmm. all it was um I didn't start it knowing what I would be creating today at all um so it was very kind of small beginnings and like I said it was self-serving because and a lot of it comes down to as well a way for me to offload and kind of have some catharsis because a lot of these thoughts especially things to do with like my culture and growing up in a patriarchal culture they were things that were weighing quite heavily on my mind and I discussed them loads with my family we have a very like open feeling in our family but I wanted to discuss them publicly so matriarch kind of gave me that space to do that and that was that really was Mm. how we started. I think what's so magical about that is to me, to me, um, a, a lot of women, particularly younger women, um, whilst we might be extrinsically confident, because mm-hmm. I think I am definitely that too, but I'm also constantly doubting the things yeah. that come out of my mouth. <laughs> and I think that's that's definitely a female thing. And I think you creating this space and creating this world that kind of serves you better and allows you to, you know, say what you have to say and actually really believe in yourself that's that's I think you kicking down the first hurdle of the patriarchy because you're saying actually you know what what I have to say is valid yeah and I'm gonna do it here and I think that's that's really beautiful yeah and that was definitely kind of the scariest part I mean they always say the scariest part something is starting and it's true because it was you know it was me just very publicly very openly saying this these are my thoughts this is how I'm going to communicate them take it or leave it kind of thing and I I was really scared because also from very early on I started talking about really personal issues as well so body image body confidence I was starting like a fitness journey at the same time and documenting that the Instagram was a way to kind of keep me accountable for that so I really jumped into the deep end with it to be honest but I'm glad I did it that way because it's really allowed me to grow a platform that's focused on reality as well rather than just showing you kind of one side as Instagram and social media does so often I've I've really always wanted to make sure that the content I put out is not just on the good days that I'm I'm having it's always as well listen I'm having a really shit day today or I couldn't work out today because I found it really difficult it was things like that and I think that's what people really enjoyed and still do enjoy because we really follow through on that 
meaning of reality rather than this kind of fake Instagram. I think as well, like authenticity is so important nowadays. And I think what is good is I see that kind of on the Instagram space, a lot of, you know, I mean, quotation mark influencers or whoever, Mm. people are starting to cross on to that and people are realising that there is value in being authentic. Absolutely. The fact that you've been able to grow your platform being authentic from from the start is you know so good because again as you say not only with the fitness journey but if, if you're having those bad days and you're broadcasting them and you're being a bit weird as well as everything else mm. you have to say from the beginning then you're holding yourself accountable for that kind of authenticity throughout the rest of your journey exactly. because if you suddenly became really like curated mm-hmm. and, and polished then people would be like hang on this is not being you so it's almost you know making you accountable to kind of stay authentic which is really cool as well absolutely um so then moving on how do you deal because as you say you're putting out some really raw real information at the beginning Mm. in terms of you in terms of what you know any struggles that you are having um and a lot of people nowadays as soon as they see someone else being open in a way that they wouldn't be able to be themselves they can be jealous and opinions can form and nasty things can be said Mm. have you had to deal with any kind of you know backlash or or judgment from other people that you know of to be quite honest and this sounds kind of almost ridiculous but I actually haven't really dealt with all that much and I think perhaps that's because I started it in a time where a lot of people were looking for as you say authenticity a lot of Mm. people were kind of yearning for someone who thought like them talked like them looked like them in different and new ways they weren't kind of airbrushed they weren't perfected they were people who were just trying to kind of do their thing and I think that's kind of where we started um I would say though when I particularly when I started creating content about anti-racism and and social justice issues I did get and I still do get like an influx sometimes of racism of kind of just like some horrific comments but with that especially because I had one particular post that really kind of grew in the summer you've really just learned to distance yourself from it because you know that those aren't aimed at you specifically um you know I've had some horrific dms like about killing yourself and things like that but you have to just learn that these people don't know you and they're not saying it at you and I honestly do believe that a lot of the time when people make comments like that they just haven't been shown enough kindness to know how to deal with those those issues kind of in a humane manner and I think that's kind of always my approach when I've had those comments from people and and the few Mm -hmm. times where I have interacted with them it's always making sure that empathy is at the forefront of my discussion with them because the last thing that needs to be added to it already heated and intense kind of comment or discussion Mm -hmm. like that is more angst and anger and believe Mm -hmm. me I have a lot of it you know when I see racist comments it's it's nothing new to me anymore but I see them and of course it hurts but more anger thrown onto it often just kind of does not work and it's super counterproductive so it's hard but it's it's not something Mm -hmm. that I let kind of fulfill my mind and my time often because I'm just too busy (laughs) Um, but yeah you just you kind of learn the best ways to deal with it 
I think the fact that you can respond in that way I mean I honestly kind of have goosebumps just from hearing that <laughs> the fact that that is your response you you are just wise beyond your years and I think that is the most mature approach and it is absolutely devastating to hear that someone you know a young woman who's just striving to empower other people can experience or you know be sent things in that in that way like it actually makes my blood boil mm-hmm. but the fact that you know what you say you're completely right you know they they have something deeply wrong with themselves to mm-hmm. a be able to think in that way but b also to send it like yeah. to actually kind of make it real yeah. um I think one of the things that has been like really shocking kind of around this time and I I realized you know I'm coming from a very privileged position is actually a lot of messages and comments around Black Lives Matter resurgence Mm -hmm. and and racism that have been published. And I think, again, coming from a privileged position, it's not something that I come across and see, but around the time that the movement was at its peak last year, everything became so much more accessible and, and published and, and, and public. And w- one of the benefits of Black Lives Matter resurgence was that it became so much more visible to people that aren't affected by it. Yeah, and absolutely. it can help uh, can help kind of people that don't see it on a daily basis learn so much. So I'm so sorry that you received stuff like that. And <laughs> I'm sorry for the people that are sending it because there's something deeply wrong with them. Yeah, but I they, mean, I think... at, at the end of the day, you've got a woman talking and a woman of colour talking in this position mm. and so people don't like that you know that's very traditional if you look at kind of mm. the the situation Mina Harris is in right now defending the situation in India it's just she wrote a tweet literally the other day saying if if a woman is kind of publicly outraged against mm. she's almost certainly getting rape threats and, and mm. so on and so forth and so that is kind of the way it is but what I think has really kind of allowed me to respond in that way is just the way I mean racism was never not a factor in our lives in terms Mm. of our parents telling our stories in terms of experiences me and my sisters have faced it's always been ever present and so the best kind of tool my parents gave us to combat that was with was how do you respond to that because so many people don't know and the best mm. way to respond to it is with a willingness to talk through and understand and, and with mm. kindness. Because at the end of the day, if people are making comments like that, it's because there's a serious lack of understanding and education there. Mm. So that's what also implores me on to do what I do is is to keep educating people and keep spreading information um, so that those things do change and people are able to learn. And it's refreshing because when you do that sometimes you don't know whether you're getting through to people but Mm. I have had conversations especially with men um in terms of like sexual harassment and things of actually talking through things and them suddenly being like okay you know what I actually that does make sense to me and 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 it does add up and I think when people are willing to kind of sit down and actually talk through things with empathy a lot more can be changed rather than just kind of yeah. head on spitfire oh gosh Ria I just think you are such an incredible woman and <laughs> my my heart and my soul actually my you know my my blood is boiling for you but I think your, your approach is brilliant and if you can help people kind of change change their opinion or if anything you know even if their opinion stays the same if you can just help them learn something exactly. then you know that's a win
Um, so then we've kind of discussed, I was going to ask you if there's any kind of hardships or challenges you've had to overcome on the way. I think we've just talked about <laughs> a load, um, but feel free to add if you kind of have any more. But equally, you know, my next question would be, you know, how, how do you kind of motivate yourself you know through these challenges and you've kind of said you know you you'll help teach and fire empathy back at people if you will Mm. but um is there anything else you need to need to add yeah I think one of the biggest things that I've dealt with in especially in the first year is just getting people to believe in a vision that you have that you don't necessarily completely understand yourself um because when I started doing what I do I, I I didn't know that I would end up doing what I do today um I had no clue that I could even do that um and the whole point of matriarch of why it's a different platform as well is because it's not just there to say okay if you want to express yourself you've got to do it in this way we're always conscious of the fact that people express themselves in a million different ways so we want to grow with people and work with people to make sure that they feel comfortable enough to express themselves in the way that works for them. So that's always going to be a a platform that's changing and growing with the people who are part of it. But if I tried to explain that to someone like a year ago, it was really difficult to even put that into words. People really didn't understand what that meant. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think for a lot of people, seeing is believing. So just really making sure that you can push on with your passion and mm. using that to drive you even when people don't understand or don't believe in what you're doing if you are one day luckily able to get to that point where you can do it and you can show people that it does work it's really fulfilling but that is really difficult and probably one of the other difficulties I face for sure mm. oh gosh <laughs> you're you're just it's, it's so incredible speaking to you and I knew this podcast was going to be exciting just because of looking at your platform and the kind of work you do but I think that's that's some great advice and um I hope everyone listens to that because it is so important um and then you know as you say you know looking forward um do you have any kind of obviously you're graduating this year mm. um um, what's next what's next in general and then do you have any plans for the platform is there any direction you'd like to kind of take it in or explore you know s- some different type of kind of media aspect of it yeah no so um I'm looking to a master's um next year so that's kind of general life things mm-hmm. um and I because I feel like a lot of matriarch has been powered by how much I've learned at uni because the work that I do at uni has come to focus on gender studies um Mm. race studies post-colonialism and learning about those things has given me so much of the knowledge to create what I create and I don't feel Mm -hmm. like I'm done yet I want to learn more I want to um kind of empower myself more with knowledge and education so a master's for sure um in terms of the platform I think the dream has always just been bringing it out into the real world as well um that is vague and very kind of a lifelong side of it but Mm. whether that's in the form of kind of platforms or um kind of events in a way who knows Mm. It, it really is like I said it's one of those things that's constantly growing and evolving and I, I have no idea what the scope of matriarch is but I'm hoping it's big and I'm hoping it's um oh, so exciting yeah hopefully it'll be good 
And I think there's also um, just having spoken to a couple of other people that have recently started kind of platforms or communities. Um, there are so many different directions. If you actually put your mind to it, that you can take, and you know, you can explore the the NGO area. As okay. you say, you can do events, you can do pop ups, and educate people, and kind of raise money. And and you know, there's even kind of the journalist aspect. So that it has so much potential. Exactly. That's why I love doing it. And I think from from the off, one of the biggest things that I wanted to do with with Matriarch was philanthropy and charitable work because in my eyes building a community of people allows mm-hmm. you to it really enables you to do that really strongly so that is the kind of other side of it which we are actually moving into currently at the moment so that's really exciting Ooh, so, that is exciting yeah, new, new things will be coming soon in the next few months about that so that's really exciting that's amazing and do you know what your masters will be in yet um it will just be it will be kind of under the title of english and critical theory but i'm looking um more in towards um kind of south asian women and writing and post-colonial studies that's kind of my absolute Mm. focus and learning more about my culture um because i I recently put out a video on instagram about decolonizing the curriculum i Mm. just got back an essay that was my exam in january and i got a great mark on it i was really happy with it and it was the first time really i'd ever written a piece of writing that was recognized by the government and, and our oh education gosh. system that was about post-colonial history and my history of my people and I was just fueled with passion and rage because it's not okay that I'm 20 and that's the first time that that's happened yeah, so, that's so, so much of what I do I would want to commit towards changing that and, yeah. and you know so that's really it's like such a compliment but also a slap in the face at the same time exactly absolutely and and also I mean I saw something recently which is quite interesting about so many of those topics at university are always taught by white people especially at mm. a university like Exeter and that is another really interesting side of it and so talking about cultural nuances and being taught that by people who aren't from that culture Mm, and um, haven't lived it and haven't lived that experience whereas my essay was about particular nuances of my culture so getting being able to write that and have that recognized as like a really valid piece of writing was was amazing oh well that's that's really really impressive and I'm I'm so proud of you we we haven't even met in person (laughs) but I'm just like glowing for you um and then I was going to ask as well if if you don't mind sharing um what's your dissertation on so my dissertation is on it's roughly titled the power of the immigrant so I'm Mm. looking at kind of immigrant narratives so especially the Sikh Punjabi ones so I'm looking at two poets Rupi Kaur and Daljit Nagra looking at the way that they've kind of tamed and empowered themselves through um kind of western ways of communication so yeah. through poetry and kind of really finding power in their diaspora rather than um victimizing their narrative because yeah. so so many kind of immigrant narratives especially from a western point of view are just either victimized or washed out or whitewashed etc so um where they found power in that and then also doing the same but um doing a close reading of bohemian rhapsody by um queen as a kind of um an empowerment of queer diaspora as well so it's kind of a bit of everything yeah oh my gosh (laughs) that sounds absolutely incredible you're like (laughs) forced to be racking with um I was just gonna say I I listened to a podcast um 
were they interviewing I think it was actually inter- yeah it was interviewing Rupi the, the other day I can't remember Amazing. who was interviewing her but I just I saw her name and I clicked on it and to be completely honest I was one of those people that when I first heard of her initially I bought her book because I thought it was really pretty and since then I've learned to love her work and I bought more of her books and I just began to realise that there's so much more to her narrative than just being a pretty book, as is often the case. I had no idea about what she's been through and how The Homebody, which is her latest book, is so representative of, of, you know, the struggle to go from being a blogger and then turning into this amazing, amazing poet Mm. that's very well published whilst also getting all these constant death threats. And I don't know if you know this, but she said that, you know, lockdown actually forced her to stop doing book tours and readings and actually forced her to face what was going on inside of her because she'd been so busy that actually she hadn't had to acknowledge all the horrible nastiness that was going on around the work that she was producing. Absolutely, Yeah, and she hadn't processed it, but actually the whole world just slowing down for a moment forced her to just, you know, oh gosh, yeah, go on, sorry. And I, Well, no, absolutely, I completely agree with you. And I think what's so amazing about Rupi Kaur as an individual as well is as a Sikh Punjabi woman who is kind of born and raised in the West, she's really redefining what that means um, rather than just being kind of a woman of the house as is traditional in our culture she's really redefining and scoping out um, different paths for mm. women in our culture and what that means to western viewers as well I think that's what's so powerful about her work is so many white and western people are understanding like so many intricacies and complexities mm-hmm. through her work and I think that's so you know as a sequin derby woman myself in the western world Mm. that is really empowering for me so she she's Mm. just incredible for sure yeah she's amazing and um I mean I'm definitely one of those you know a a white woman in in the western world who's as I said you know I'm I'm almost making fun of myself by saying you know I I thought it was a pretty book so Mm. but the sad fact is that is literally why I did you Mm. know I had no idea kind of the power behind it and I'm completely in love with her now and it's it's just it's it's very it kind of just my my experience with Rupi kind of just describes what you said yeah <laughs> um moving forward just in in kind of the pandemic times can you tell us a little bit about any kind of self-care rituals you have how have you been looking after yourself um yeah go for it yeah no I think I think a huge thing that I've been doing more is just reflecting a bit more in different Mm -hmm. ways so taking more time out just to give my mind a break because we're just so constantly on transmit and we're wanting to fill time so we're just busying ourselves with things forgetting um that actually we need to just take a break sometimes because I think sometimes Mm -hmm. if you don't do anything in lockdown you can feel really lazy and there's the productivity myth and all of that kind of thing Mm -hmm. so it's just making sure that I actively create that time in my schedule so whether that's okay I'm going on an hour-long walk in the morning and and I'm really dedicating my time to that and that being the sole purpose of the walk giving my mind just like some time to relax or 
okay, I'm definitely going to do this 15 minute meditation before bed because it's just going to clear my mind. Um, So those things in terms of kind of just reflecting on what I'm actually going through, what I'm thinking, what I'm feeling um, have just allowed me to be a lot more self-aware. And it's also allowed me to be more aware with how I then interact with others. I'm currently living at home with my two sisters and we haven't done that as a family since they left for uni, which was like 10 years ago. So that's a really intense situation but actually being able to take that time out to reflect has allowed me to just show more kindness to show more patience um and that's something that we've really found we needed with each other um over the last year so that's been really great um and also just reading more i i love reading i'm I wouldn't say that I was ever a bookworm when I was younger. I actually found it really difficult. So I was just like really turned off by it. I didn't engage with it at all. But my dad was always a really avid reader. Um, And as I grew up, and then obviously I went to do English literature, so I did kind of like reading. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) but I definitely kind of rediscovered it in the first lockdown last year. Can't believe it's nearly a year ago. Um, But I just kind of suddenly re-found this kind of love for learning and love for reading um loads of different texts but yeah so reading for sure because again whether it's a non-fiction or a fiction book it just for me personally it gives me that other headspace to go to rather than just home life or uni or matriarch or something it's just that other space and and I just love reading I think it's really fun (laughs) no I agree I I definitely agree I mean I I've the same I really struggle to get into a good book unless I'm kind of doing nothing um otherwise I'm I'm quite easily distracted but definitely um my our mutual friend Gemma or I don't Mm -hmm. know if you actually know her but she she's the one that pointed me in your direction but Mm -hmm. she who sent me um when when my dog actually passed away oh sorry Oh no, it's he he had such a great life, but thank you. But she sent me homebody in the post and oh, it's wow. just it's such a cure. I honestly think books are just such a medicine. My dad passed away last summer and when that happened, my one of my friends from school who I didn't we didn't really talk all that much at school, we were particularly close, but we definitely became closer after school and when we went to uni. She sent me um this book of all of Shakespeare's sonnets and it was just the most thoughtful gift I think anyone anyone gave me at that time it was just beautiful and it it just I mean for her it was sending it to say listen I know this has happened to you but there's so much to come for you and I want you to remember that and it was just so special to me so I think books can just be such a gift such a cure and I'm so sorry for that as well and thank you so much for sharing sure of course and then just to finish it off, because I feel like we've just talked for ages. And yeah. I feel like there's so much more to be said. So we might have to do a part two, you know, in the Definitely, future sometime. Yeah. Um, but what would you, on, a, on an end point, is there anything that you'd tell your 16-year-old self? Oh god. Um definitely definitely to read more whilst we're on the subject. I think mm. I just really did not value reading, and I really do regret that because I obviously now realise how much that shapes your perspective your attitudes towards others and I really do wish I'd read more um but also just to be a bit more patient and kinder towards myself I think Mm. at 16 I was in a rush to just to really just force myself to find out what I wanted to do with my life and come to some kind of conclusion of what where I was going Mm. without and now I can reflect and think actually you just didn't know enough about the world about life about 
the possibilities of what you could do to come to that conclusion so just be a bit kinder to yourself and just kind of trust the process very much kind of thing just like allow it to happen see what comes your way um, and just do what you enjoy to do I tell you what the amount of people that have sort of come to the conclusion and said trust the process yeah I think I might have to get it tattooed on me somewhere (laughs) it's it's the best advice yeah yeah um well Ria it's been so amazing and incredible to talk to you um I've this has been such a roller coaster for me I think you've been very a very smooth talker but I've actually you know cracked up multiple times during this podcast <laughs> I think you have so much to say and you're you're such a powerful kind of oh god you're such a powerful woman and I just I, I'm really excited about what's to come for you and I, I can't wait to kind of you know be involved with your journey thank you so much that means the world thank you and um, thank you for inviting me on here it's so excited this is my first ever podcast kind of thing so yeah you've been an amazing host thank oh, you so when you're famous I can <laughs> show that off thank you so much listeners for tuning in I'll leave Rhea and Matriarch's details in the episode information this episode meant a whole lot to me and I'm so grateful for Rhea's time and thoughts and I hope you guys enjoyed it as much as I did have a great rest of your day and speak soon